0: Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Sestronino, and we are back with another one of our Survivor preseason podcasts. And we are getting down to it because the Survivor premiere is coming up this Wednesday night. But today we are going to have one of many people's favorite preseason podcasts. We are going to be joined by Angie Kantz. once again. She is here to reveal her character type predictions or Survivor 32. Now if you've never heard this podcast before, Angie has a system where she takes all of the survivors in the new season. And based on their sex and age and things that they're saying in their bios, she puts them into one of her many character types. And then she goes through the history of Survivor and reveals the averages of how those character types have done. And we can see which character type is most likely to do the best In This season and because not every single character type is on every season that does sort of fluctuate who does best and she can tell us based on her predictions, which of these players she thinks is going to be the winner of the season and who's going to be the first out and everything in between. So that's coming up here today with Angie as we get ready for our Survivor premiere week. But as we're getting ready to put the Survivor preseason to bed want to take a moment and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast and those are friends over at casper mattress because casper produces an outstanding mattress which is very affordable because they are cutting out the middle person no more having to go to the mattress store you can go directly to casper.com and you could pick out an outstanding mattress which they will send directly to your house comes in a great big box you open it up it expands it's very exciting to watch. It's almost worth it for the entertainment alone of watching the mattress come together before your eyes. It's an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price because they combine two technologies like a merge: latex foam and memory foam coming together for better nights and brighter days. They've also got a risk-free trial and return policy where you could sleep on a Casper for 100 days. That's like a whole season of Big Brother with free delivery and painless returns. Their mattress Mattresses are made in America, and they only cost $500 for a twin-size mattress, $950 for the king-size mattress. Compare that to the industry average, and you'll see it's an outstanding price point—quite outstanding. So go ahead and use our link to save $50 off any purchase of your Casper mattress. Go to casper.com/slash rob that's casper.com slash rob and you'll save 50 dollars on your casper mattress and you will feel like a true know-it-all all All right everybody very excited for this we cannot start the new season of survivor until we talk with angie and hear about her character types and what they're predicting for survivor co-wrong let's welcome her back to the show the great angie
1: Kantz. i'm back
0: you're back and you have your list of 18 it. character types and you're ready to go.
1: I'm so excited. Yes, I'm ready to go. Let's do it.
0: All right, Angie, we just spoke with last week to talk about Angie's takes on dividing the tribes and what is working and what is not working. And so we sort of looked at the tribes of Reigns versus Beauty versus brawn. But here we are back to look at the 18 players and Angie's system and how she is predicting that the system is saying each of these players are going to do. How do you feel about the results from the system?
1: I'm really liking it. I've been tweaking it a little bit. Um, So the results are a little bit different than what people might be expecting, but I feel like the tweaks are all really working out well, and I'm I'm excited to share the findings.
0: Okay, and we will discuss all of that because I do think it can be illuminating on the first-time players as we go through it because we don't have a lot to work with on them. But last season... Angie tried out a system to tell us what to expect from returning players. And so first, we're going to dive into all of that. But Angie, are you ready for this new season? Are you now We have everything set and ready to go?
1: I am set. I'm ready to go. And having like poured over all these bios and videos over the last couple of days, I am, I am super excited about this system and I'm super excited about the season coming up. I think it's gonna be really, really good.
0: should be a very fun season. What's your survivor ritual like? Are you like do you have a a, a viewing party? are you sort of like uh, do you take notes?
1: I need to be totally alone. And I need to have zero interruptions. Yeah. And I'm very serious about my live tweeting. So I watch intently and then I compose the perfect tweet usually during the challenges because like challenges, whatever. But the funny stuff usually happens during the challenges. And then as soon as a commercial break hits, people try and message me. I'm like, "No, no, no, I'm tweeting. I can't message you right now.
0: Wow. That's fun. I feel like I'd like to explore that with more people of what is their survivor viewing experience like.
1: It's different from person to person, but people that do it in in like large groups, I don't know how they can do that. I would get so frustrated. It's like I need to really hyper focus on what's happening.
0: And then will you rewatch the episode?
1: Sometimes. Sometimes the next morning, I'll, I'll, I'll watch it online if I feel like I missed something or if I had to, uh, if I started late, like last season, I had to do carpool. It was so lame. So lame. So it's like I missed the first 10 minutes. So it's like, and everyone's like, oh, I can't believe that line. You missed that line. I'm like, ah, <laughs> children, honestly,
0: hopefully no carpool this season for no. Survivor 32.
1: No, well, I mean, I manipulated the shit out of that carpool. I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't do Wednesdays. I just can't. I can't.
0: What, what an Erin Brockovich you are. It's true. I'm,
1: I'm, I'm a mover and shaker. I'm getting it done.
0: Okay, so let's go back to Cambodia and let's sort of revisit what you predicted there because I think you had some things that you were on the money on, other things not as much, but I would love to sort of just sort of revisit that and sort of get your takeaways on the returning player season, before we start to look ahead, now can you just explain the difference in your system between a returning player season and an all newbie season?
1: Yeah, I mean what I what I tried to do last year is I tried to take I tried to remove the um, I isolated the returnee players and looked at just those seasons that had half or more of the cast as returnees to see if it changed the outcomes based on character types from the ones that was a, a giant blended system because I, pre- I I suspected that certain character types would be more highly targeted their second time out than they would be their first time out. And as a result, the order significantly changed. And I've, I very carefully monitored uh, the season as it went by. And I I tested against the, the, the original system as well as the new one to see what the accuracy was like. It turned out that this subsystem netted out at a sixty percent accuracy rate, which is the highest I've ever achieved. So, with that in mind, um, this is useful for the cast assessment coming up. Um, what I did for season thirty-two is I've pulled out I've pulled out all the returnee seasons and based my predictions on like a new Uber system that is just predicting how first-time players play the game.
0: Let me give you the order that the system predicted for last season. And then let's just sort of touch on what it got right and what it didn't get right. So it predicted not such a great start for Kimmy. It predicted Kimmy as the first boot, and she ended up going far. Uh, Terry, Monica, Spencer, Steven, and Cass were the pre-merge boots. And then the people on the jury went out in the order. Varner, Wigglesworth, Vetus, Shireen, Sierra, Jeremy, Savage, Joe, Woo, Tasha, Keith, and a final three of Abby, PG, and your winner is Kelly Wentworth.
1: That is correct. That is correct. So as the season progressed... I was really not impressed with the new system. Um, it didn't really come into action and start, uh, start really pulling ahead of everything else until about the final eight. And I find that that's usually when, if the system's gonna be, uh, a good predictive tool, that's what it's, that's what it's the best at doing. In terms of what was close and what was not close, it's, it's kind of hit and miss. Sometimes, uh, sometimes a player will be like 10 spots away. It's how I gauge it is how Uh, how many within, are within about four places of the, of the system prediction overall? So, 12 players out of the, uh, out of the 20, uh, ended up going out within four places of where the, uh, the new system set. The most accurate ones that were within two places of each other were Monica, Cass, Wigglesworth, Sierra, which was bang on, Joe, and Keith. OK, so what I do want to quickly just touch on is um, what I noticed from because, um, you know, I try I try to identify patterns when I'm when I'm doing this stuff. It's not just about the numbers because I'm not actually a, a data person at all. So what I tried to do is look at the patterns of the types of people that did well in returning seasons versus the ones that that did not do as well. And I went through and I identified three players that had a very strong potential to win based on the patterns I had seen of previous uh, returnee seasons. So I don't know if you want to just very quickly review those or not. So the very first one that I had identified, I put like a little asterisk as a a winner pick. I chose three potential winners. So the very first one was Varner. And he was one of my wild cards. That is, we had never seen a Seduce and Destroy come back on a returnee season. Um, So I didn't know what he was going to do. And these guys don't come back mostly because nobody ever likes them. Like it's usually kind of like fan favorites that come back, right? And as a wild card, it was really Impossible to predict what he might do, Um, but I found that because he played um, such an underwhelming game, but seemed to have a lot going on in terms, you know, socially and strategically, um, I was willing to put put some of my chips on him. So you thought he was going to play too hard, too fast, if you recall, and uh, you get a ding for that. Yeah, that's what he did.
0: Not really going out on a limb with that one. That wasn't like no, a, you
1: know. no. I was really hoping he'd be able to rein it in, and I th- that was the only uh, that was the only boot where I yelled at my TV. I actually yelled no for like, and I held it for a really long time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was very upset when he went home. Okay, second one. Uh, second winner pick was Kelly Wentworth. Yeah. And she she came in fourth. So the returnee subsystem had Kelly finishing first, and I thought she had a real chance to back that claim. As a character type, the Siren has an amazing track record on returnee seasons, simply because they're charming and they're non-threatening. And Kelly's social game was strong. She showed guts. She went after idols. Her head seemed to be screwed on right. And, um, she, I think had she not found herself on the wrong side of the main alliance, I believe she would have won. But then again, staying in the main alliance is the point of the game. So, you know, yeah. uh, I did want to take a moment here, Rob, to remind you that when I revealed that Kelly was at the top of my winner pick list, you said, okay, that's what the system says, but what does your gut yes. say? And I, re- and I replied, Wentworth. Okay. She did really well. She did. I thought that she did really well. And it was, it was very validating because I, uh, you know, like the, the system spits out these names and you know, you know. Some of them seem really far-fetched, and when you watch them do well, it's, it's very yeah, vindicating.
0: Okay, and then who was your other Life. third pick?
1: My final winner pick was Jeremy. Yes.
0: Okay. What was it about Jeremy?
1: He fit the returnee model perfectly. The prototype of the returnee system winner. He was set up extremely well, meaning he finished 10th in his first season without having made a single really big threatening power move. Yet he knew the game extremely well. He was likable. He was athletic and he was strategic. So his game was steady and purposeful. He was just the right amount of strong throughout without spooking his alliance, he managed to stay in control pretty much the entire game so that is the quintessential returnee game prototype to be able to do that so to come in like you have all the potential but that potential is completely unrealized people are not freaked out about you like jeremy was not one of the main targets throughout that entire season and that is how you win a returnee season
0: so you're coming in hot to season 32 before we talk about Ko rong Are there any other takeaways that from the results that you got in this season to how it played out, is there anything that you would change for the next returnee season?
1: You know, the data pool is so small. I don't like tweaking it until it gets a little bit more like that. There, there aren't that many seasons to play with. So I think I'd like to see it play out a few more times. I mean, it did have a couple of surprises, which made me think that that maybe that wasn't accurate. Like the, the know-it-alls and how they performed was the biggest surprise because the the old system had them coming in uh, fourth and fifth and the new system had them uh, coming in 16th and 17th, and the old system was definitely far more accurate in terms of of that one particular character type. So I might try and put a little asterisk beside those guys next time. Okay,
0: all right. So we'll look at that for the next returnee season. Mm -hmm. So let's go ahead and start to talk about season 32. Now, I didn't do a great job of setting up exactly what your system is based on in my introduction for you. So please forgive me, for that, for our new listeners who haven't heard a podcast with you, where you go through this, could you just give us some background into how you came up with this system and what did it actually tell us?
1: Sure. Um, essentially, what I did was I tried to identify certain patterns of personality types that I felt kept showing up on Survivor seasons again and again and again. It was players like like Coach and like Cochran and like Todd Herzog that made me think are they casting very similar people year after year? And could I capture them in like a cute little package and name that package and see if all the, all the different uh, players from all the different seasons actually fit into these little boxes? Um, and then if that were even possible, would it then in fact be able to predict the outcome of a season that we haven't seen yet?
0: Yeah, and I think that this is a useful exercise here for Survivor. I wonder if it would even be more telling on a show with a smaller cast size, uh, because there would be less variance, say on Big Brother or even the Amazing Race. I think the Amazing Race would be particularly useful to sort of look at this. Where Jessica Lee, a couple of years ago, had written a blog called "The Eleven Teams You See on Every Season of the Amazing Race," and basically, almost every season of the Amazing Race is pretty similar. Where there's like, okay, there's the two bros, there's the you know parent-child team, there is like the dating couple. And so just to sort of see where those teams typically rank, I think that might give us a better sense also with those shows that have even smaller casts, it might even be more telling.
1: Yeah, but then I'd have to watch The Amazing Race. Yeah,
0: maybe you could have an intern. Maybe you could have somebody, maybe. an assistant, who you sort of like are project managing that, but somebody who knows those shows could be sort of working on the data.
1: You know what? I've had some offers about that with The Amazing Race. I want to get through Big Brother first. Another concern I have is that uh, a lot of this system is kind of intuitive for me. Like a lot of like it's hard. It's really hard, especially this season in particular was really hard. You have like three people that. That on the surface seem identical and you really have to just go with your gut in terms of like, how is this person slightly nuanced, slightly different from this other person? And I don't know. I'm a bit of a control freak. I don't know if I'd be able to hand that over to an intern. That would be hard for okay, me. Okay.
0: Well, we'll have to figure out what character type that is, but <laughs> how do you want to go through this? Are we going by character type? Or are you giving us the boot order as spit out by the system? How do you do this?
1: We're going to do the boot order. And normally when we do this podcast, I do have some component where you guess the character type of the players in the upcoming season. I'm not going to do that to you this season. Okay, good. (laughs) I'm not going to put you on the spot. Um, And that's because by far this was the hardest new season to date that I've ever had to put in the cons character types.
0: Why? (sighs)
1: Because there, are so many of them seem very, very, very similar. And for the many listeners who try to do this themselves before the podcast, you know what I'm talking about. It took me three revisions until I was satisfied with what I had. So many players seem to fit in 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 one or more types. Others seem to all fit in the same type. Okay,
0: if you want to play along at home, I'm going to post all the different character types there are on the post here on RobHasAWebsite.com. And you could see all of them. Of course, Angie only assigns one character type to each person, which can be very tricky to figure out who is who. Mm
1: -hmm. That is correct. I approach it like a jigsaw puzzle. I try to avoid doubles because I, I honestly believe that casting does not want to put two almost identical players on the same season. So I start with the players that I know are the best fit for a particular character type. Then I look at the ones that are almost a fit and I ask myself, what am I not seeing about them? And then once I see it, they all reshuffle like this crazy chain reaction. So, I mean, I'll go through this and I'll reveal who I've chosen. And you may disagree with some of them, but if we try and move them, it'll be like it'll be a chaotic house of cards that'll just all fall apart.
0: House of cards doesn't even come back for a couple of weeks.
1: I know. So it's just we're jumping ahead. We just couldn't, we couldn't wait.
0: Now, how many character types do you have in total? Because not everyone gets used on each season, correct?
1: That is correct. There's 25 character types in total.
0: All right. So we will be using 18 of them here in Survivor Call Wrong. So you're about to tell us who the first boot in the season is going to be according to your system? I am. Now, again, these results do not reflect. Now, the system might say, okay. So-and-so is the first person that is going to get voted off, but then their tribe could never go to tribal council before the merge. So there is a certain inexactness, which just can't be replicated by the randomness of the tribes going to tribal council, correct?
1: That is correct. The system can't possibly predict like, you know, tribe swaps and who's going to win challenges and who isn't. It's it's better to kind of look at the, the system results and kind of clusters like within five groups and pre-merge and post-merge and just get a general idea of, uh, of a player's gameplay. That's where it's really accurate being able to identify this is how this person is going to play and this is what's going to be their downfall. And if there's a way that they can succeed beyond their character type, it's going to be by doing these kinds of things.
0: And this- order that you're going to give us, is this just the average placement from all of these different character types once you assign them? Or are you sort of doing some editorial where it's like, OK, well, in this season, this person is with this, so they should be moved up.
1: A hundred percent placement
0: placement. OK, so
1: I am not I'm also not going by win rate. Right. Like some character types have a higher chance of winning the game overall, but they may place lower than other character types. I found as a system overall, in terms of just a boot order, the uh, the placement is the most accurate. And then at the end of that, I can potentially identify one one player which which will be the winner pick based on win rate or you know confidence in their bio and strategy.
0: So of course, Angie has gone through every single season and in her Google Doc, which I will link to as well, uh, she has told us who is who in each season. And so we will now be adding to that data here in Survivor 32. And so the first person who gets booted out, the person who had the lowest Average finish for their archetype in this season once Angie signed them is who?
1: Our Meredith Gray, who is Elizabeth Markham.
0: Liz Markham? Yep. Say it ain't so. It's so. So, Kim? <laughs> That's, That's never the going away. She's the first That's bit. never
1: ever going away. Is yeah. It? yeah. Um, so the <laughs> Meredith Gray, the Meredith Gray, is your twenty-five to thirty-five-year-old doctor, lawyer, cop, teacher. She's very smart, intense, and high energy. So the primary difference between a Meredith Gray and a secretly smart bikini babe is age and stage. So Meredith Grays are older. They have already established themselves in their careers. Bikini Babes are usually young and still in school. And it's important to note that she would only actually only move, she would move up to 15th place um, if we did place her as Bikini Babe, which isn't a huge leap anyway. So it's a, even if I'm wrong with that, it doesn't make that big of a deal, but I'm pretty sure she's a Meredith Gray. So I don't know if you uh, you need a reminder of former notable Meredith Grays. Yeah,
0: remind me because I feel like off the top of my head, I feel like that that would be a good archetype to be.
1: Mm-hmm. And Val, um, Sarah from Cagayan, Francesca, Monica Padilla, mm-hmm. Katie from Palau, Dina from Amazon, mm-hmm. Tammy from Marquesas and Ramona. So these uh these players tend up uh, tend to come out very hot and they play too hard. They don't have good relationships. They're super, uh, they're super intense and they, uh, they go out far- fairly early as a result. So the reason why uh, I put Liz in here is she's, uh, she's highly intelligent. She's a leader and a strategist. Basically, she's doomed. Like, there is no way, there is no way for her to hide her intense intelligence. And she will feel compelled to try and put things together. Like the survivor version of a team of blackjack card counters. <laughs> there's, and there's no way she's gonna fly under the radar. If, if you watch her cast video, her eyes are like really wide and her mouth is really smiley and she looks like a lunatic who could like kill you with her brain and she's gonna make she's gonna make a big move on day one and she's gonna go down in flames that is my prediction
0: so you feel like for this character type which liz is in your system do you feel like the wounds are more self-inflicted or you feel like that people are threatened by her
1: wounds are self-inflicted like if you look at monica in just last season You know, she's, she's putting, she's trying to randomly, she's thinking she can't stop moving. Her brain is always moving. I'm going to put together a, I'm going to put together a girls' alliance. And Kimmy's like, no, you're not. No pumpkin. No pumpkin, no.
0: Oh, no. (laughs) That's right. No Meredith, no. No
1: no meredith um which is a shame because i really liked liz i liked the i like the hyper intelligence of her but i just i don't think it's a great fit for survivor it's just too uh, it's too game body and people are going to be really freaked out by that they're going to see her coming a mile away i think okay so yeah first boot is poor liz
0: Poor liz according to the system and it would be appropriate for a brain to go out first once again it would Follow in the footsteps of the great David Sampson.
1: (laughs) Poor David. Yeah. Poor David. The the brains don't do well at the beginning of these uh, structured uh, seasons at all.
0: Again, does that get reflected in the system at all? Or is it that a lot of times that the people that don't do well would be a character type that would probably end up on the brains tribe in a season that wasn't brains versus beauty versus Braun. Like, do, are the character types at all sort of like saying like hey, these six character types? Those are probably typically would be on a brains tribe in a given season.
1: Yes, the 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 character types that don't do well, many of them are the highly intelligent character types, and the character types that are highly intelligent and they do do well, um, they survive those votes. So okay. even even if brains goes to goes to tribal the character types on the brand's tribe will be okay
0: so the system predicts bad things for liz she is the first person out in the season who does your system say is the second player out in this season 17th place
1: also from the brand's tribe 17th place is our pony boy who is neil neil is pony boy neil is pony boy believe it or boy, not, neil
0: is having a tough couple days on rob as a podcast
1: <laughs> is he so now hold on
0: neil didn't like tweet to you and say something like angie hit me with your best shot you can't hurt me
1: no he did not
0: so this isn't you're not not trying to hurt or injure neil in any way with your system (laughs) it's just what the numbers are saying
1: it's what the numbers are saying and what it's what you know i i i look no further this was a very very clean uh take This season, I listened to no cast assessments. I read nothing but their CBS bio and their, watched their CBS video. I found when I did Worlds Apart, I was a little bit, when I tried to read more, more pre-season interviews with them, it kind of overcomplicated it for me. And I found that more information actually hurt me in my ability to make the decisions. So sorry, Neil. I'm just going, I'm going simply by what cbs gave me
0: all right angie can you explain what a pony boy is for the people who have not heard your system before
1: okay so the pony boy is age 25 to 35 so he's a teeny bit old for it only because he's 38 so just a little bit on the outside of that this is kind of the weirdo it's the one who has this strange job the eccentric seems, one the eccentric one seems the odd person out he's nice Not strategic. He's likable. Sometimes he's ridiculously athletic as well. Mm -hmm. And he himself compares himself to Eric Reichenbach.
2: Yes. Right.
1: So uh, that is and that is classic the quintessential pony boy. boy. Yeah. So the pony boy is often the odd person out who's characterized by his niceness and often his positive outlook. So they often rely more heavily on their friendliness and athleticism than they do on strategy. But don't you feel like
0: that Neil is going to be a strategic player? I mean, doesn't he give off that look where he feels like that he's going to be somebody who is going to be trying to get something together? He does seem like he's going to be a nice guy. And I get that Reichenbach side of him. But I feel like that there's a strategic edge to
1: him now. I don't know. Like, he struck me. I'm just going by what I saw. He he struck me as that he's fun. He's a tree hugger. Like, you know, I'm Canadian, so he would strike me as someone from BC for sure. He's an upbeat guy with a great work ethic. He says he's witty. Then he says he's witty again. One more time, he says he's witty.
0: (laughs) That's strategy.
1: Yeah, one more time, he says he's witty. And you know what his bio and video weren't? Was witty.
0: (laughs) Although, he says that he is like Eric in his bio, but he also mentions Boston Rob. He mentions Tyson. He mentions Parvati. He mentions Russell Hance. So why does he only get the credit for being like Eric?
1: Because I'm looking at everything else as well. Like he says he went the unconventional route, which is another reason he's a pony boy. Um, also, his whole this is my this is my concern. His whole video on bio sounds like a PR push for his ice cream. brand.
0: Mm, you don't like and that. if that.
1: Well, if that's his play, this is not Shark be- Tank. No, exactly. If that's his play, he better be sure he doesn't do anything to embarrass his brand out there. Okay. It is risky business, my capitalist friend, <laughs> and it takes some serious common sense and strength of character to run a business. So I'm I, like, there's a reason why they put him on the Brains Tribe. I believe that he has a little bit going on, and he does seem to know the game. He's seen all the seasons, but um, I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't get that vibe from him that he was really. That has that uh, that he had that intensity, that strategic intensity. Just be, having an encyclopedic knowledge of the game isn't enough. Like if you if you remember Micronesia, who won the trivia challenge of like past seasons? It was Eric Reichenbach. Does that mean he was the best strategist? No. Are you sure? <laughs> now I am going to say that Neil is probably the most promising pony boy we've ever had, but a pony boy he is nonetheless.
0: Okay, so poor Neil. You have him as the second person out. This brains tribe is going down in flames once again, Angie. Yep. Disaster. But
1: there's there's hope. It's going to change tribes next. Okay. Now, again, your
0: system could potentially, much like the actual contestants themselves, be very much in a precarious position due to all of the medevacs that are rumored to be part of this season. Are, have you given any thought to how the medevacs could uh, impact any of this?
1: A little bit. It's so hard to predict because the meta mediv- you know, people getting hurt is so random. Sometimes it's someone who's very strong who just collapses because their their bodies need so much and they can't provide it. Or sometimes it's just it's something stupid, like someone getting pierced by a twig and suddenly they're infected and it their sucks. leg needs to be amputated. And yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Well, let me ask you this question about the system. So, like, let's say that that happens to somebody, somebody gets medevaced out of the game. Do you factor that placement into your system? Like, if somebody is like gets medevaced on day 15, They end up being the fifth person out in the season. Do you factor that placement into where their character type finished?
1: I put a little note of it in my spreadsheet. I do this for quits and I do this for medevacs. It's very difficult to like, do I just remove that data entirely because it's not a true uh, representation of their character type? I mean, it's all got to average out. And I think I think it speaks to it. Like there are certain character types that are more likely to quit and there are certain character types that are more likely to be medevac. Whoa! And that's our number 16. Okay. Which is our Mr. Miyagi.
0: Mr. Miyagi.
1: Which is Tai Trang.
0: Tai Trang is Mr. Miyagi. Now explain what a Mr. Miyagi is, because I think that this could lead to some confusion here.
1: Yeah. So this is like a middle-aged guy. He's very kind, wise. Does not need
0: to be Asian.
1: No. Okay. no. I was wondering, you know, making the Asian guy Mr. Miyagi was a little on the nose, but no, it was because of his personality for sure. He's well spoken. They're not intense. They're highly reflective. They're very easygoing, super sweet guys. Occasionally you can have one that, that leans more towards the intelligent side than the super easygoing side. And I'm thinking of Vetus and Penner as those types, but typically like the, the, the notable Mr. Miyagis include, uh, Will Sims, LJ, Vitas, Penner, Jonas is a perfect example. Yes. Dan, Dan limbo. Anthony from Fiji is my quintessential um Mr. Miyagi because he Really? On the surf- well, yeah, because on the surface he looks very much like another player on Fiji, on Fiji, but when you look at his personality, he's so gentle and he's so wise and he's so kind, and that's what sets them apart. Isn't he young for a Mr. Miyagi? Anthony? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as long as they're in their thirties, they can they can get away with it. So Mr. Miyagi has never ever won the game. Yeah. The closest Miyagi to win was Will Sims, and that says it all.
0: Yeah. So. But I feel like that, Will, since I know you do this before the season starts, but I don't know if Will was in that lineage with some of these other people that are sort of like introspective.
1: Yeah, Will was difficult to place. I mean, he's kind of he was essentially a recruit. That was the impression that I got from him because he had his uh, you know he had his YouTube fame and all that. But in terms of just being like, he's like I'm going to make everybody laugh. I'm really good at making friends. I'm not gonna. I'm just going to go with the flow. That is not. And the other male character types are tend to be Ponyboy and Mr. Miyagi are the least strategic of all of them. Okay, and and so it made sense. I I believed because of his uh, because of his social quality to put him as a Mr. Miyagi and his age as well.
0: So what is it about Tai Trang or the Mr. Miyagi that is speaking to you in terms of a bad outing here in Korong?
1: Well, I mean, just in terms of why I cast him in this character type, on the surface, he might seem like he could be a Perez Hilton. um, But I want to point out that um, just the, the fact that he's gay isn't the only requirement for falling into that particular character type. And Perez is very snarky and a little bit dark. Uh, Perez relies on his wit, his charm, and intelligence to make friends and stab people in the back. But by contrast, Tai is such a sweetheart. Like, he loves climbing trees, he's highly energetic, he's earned a lot of life experience and seems uh, too nice for this game. So that's a much better description of a Mr. Miyagi. And in his own way, Mr. Miyagi is usually an outsider. Like he's not a macho man who loves sports ball. He's also not like a young hot guy who can fit in with the majority of the tribe. And um, as such, he will either be seen as a threat by the other men, or he will be seen as expendable. And that's why he's going out early.
0: Now, when you take a look at Tai Trang and his bio and his video, do you ever strongly disagree with what the numbers are saying in the system and sort of reject it? Like, do you feel like Tai Trang? Oh no, he's going to go far. But you just go by what what the numbers say
1: I always go by what the numbers say but I will I will mention if I feel like they've got it way wrong okay. he's in the beauty tribe and he's gonna be surrounded by a bunch of pretty young things I don't know I just think that he's gonna struggle um, feeling like he belongs uh, in that tribe I think I think he's a really sweet guy he might have a chance of being like a kind of fatherly fun loving guy and and going a little bit further but I don't know I think he's really got his work cut out for mm. him
0: be tough. I see better things for him. I disagree with the system on this. I feel like that he's around for a little bit, but I guess that you could say if he, for whatever reason is some sort of a weak link in the challenges, maybe it ends up going down like that. But I feel like that he is uh, the glue in that beauty trot.
1: I really hope you're right. Cause I really, I found him really intriguing. I've just noticed again and again in this game that if you, if you seem different, even a little, mm-hmm. um, that you just seem to have a harder time. A terrible game. Very yeah, mean game. It's a, It is a mean game.
0: All right, let's talk about the fourth boot in this season, according to the system. Who you
1: got? Okay, well, this is where the new tweak of the system really rears its head. Ooh. Yes, because when you remove the returnee seasons, there are a couple of character types that end up placing way better and other ones that end up placing way worse. So this is the first way worse one. So at number 15, I have the Siren. Oh. And Who I have as my siren is Anna.
0: Anna, my winner pick.
1: Your winner pick is going out 15, Rob.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How dare you.
1: So the siren is very social. She's charming. She's pretty. She talks about how she flirts all the time. That's mm-hmm. usually how I pick the the siren.
0: They say so they're like poverty.
1: They say they're like poverty, and they say, I'm going to use my feminine wiles. I'll flirt with anything. I don't even care. <laughs> or sometimes they just come across as extremely charming. Um, so past notable sirens include Wentworth, Morgan, Brenda Lowe, Poverty, Natalie White, and Shauna from Amazon.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because uh, in the returnee season, this is the character type that does extremely... Extremely Well, when you remove that data from the system, um, they really take a hit. They take a really bad hit. Um, so in terms of Anna, because she's a poker player, I really wanted Anna to come across as really highly intelligent. I really did. I wanted her to be the secretly smart bikini babe, but I just couldn't, I couldn't back it up. I think she's Heidi intelligent.
0: Oh, well that's very intelligent. Is it? Yes. Yeah, she's the highest <laughs> IQ out of anybody on my season.
1: Yeah, I think she's one of these people that may have some some real brains in there, but it, it's it's expression is a little bit muddled. Yeah. So generally, I find when people complain that other people underestimate them, that's kind of a big red flag for me. In what way? Well, it means that the consensus is that she's underwhelming, and I trust crowd thinking. Like, if you look into the wisdom of crowds, you'll see that if you ask a large enough number of people to guess a number of jelly beans in a jar, the average answer is likely to be close to the correct number. So if She is constantly being underestimated. Maybe she's underwhelming.
2: Mm.
1: So I'm kind of, I'm leaning towards that because I I was really trying to focus on her on her video and on her bio, and and try and find that that poker player that I knew was in there, but I didn't see a lot of uh, a lot of spark in there for that. But being a siren works in her favor because it is a character type that is able to fly under the radar and charm their way to the end. She, um, she talks about flirting as part of her strategy. She's ridiculously beautiful, like ridiculously startlingly so. And um, and there's a reason why they put her in beauty and not brains. So so there you have it. Okay, she does seem to have some common sense about her, and I would assume she's reasonably good at reading people because of the poker player, but I just don't think her, her chances are, are that great, and I think she might be a bit boring to watch. Hmm. She says she's, uh, she's not afraid to make big moves, um, but I don't think fear... Fear isn't the problem. It's making the right ones that are that are the trick. And so many of these the uh, the cast members this season have said that like I picture probes doing like a clockwork orange type brainwashing just before each season all, on all the players like toothpicks holding their eyes open as they watch hold up bro over and over. So when he turns them loose, they wander around, they're murmuring big moves, big moves, got to make big moves. I don't know if that's your take on that. I just heard so many of the players saying, "You know, I'm not afraid to make big moves." Malcolm
0: McDowell and- says we're getting closer and closer to clockwork orange actually happening. Maybe he's survivor fan
1: well there you go it's true i sense it <laughs>
0: it's very possible i don't know i really felt good about her from watching her and especially her background as a poker player really spoke to me maybe i'm overcorrecting after vanessa Rousseau on big brother over the summer but i just feel like on that beauty tribe to have somebody who's such a smart person to be able to be a professional poker player and somebody who's also a competitive athlete i feel like that to me That's somebody who I feel good about them as my winner pick.
1: I'm hoping that she goes a little bit further than 15 for sure, because I did find her one of the more compelling uh, players because of that poker angle as well. I just didn't see it when I I saw her video. It just seemed a little bit bland to me. Jeffra Bland? Jeffra Bland, yeah. All
0: right, so then let's move on from Anna as we are getting closer and closer to the merge. Who do you have at number 14 in the rankings?
1: 14 is our True Grit who is Scott Pollard. Scott
0: Pollard, okay. Well, this feels yes. like the spot that the former athlete goes out. At. I feel like, I think the system might be onto something here.
1: Well, this is one of the cases where the system is actually a lot better for the true grit with the returning players taken out. Yeah. And you can you can blame Tom, Terry, and Culpepper for that. So um, this is usually the retired pro athlete or military guy, the cop, the firefighter. And uh, he, his problem is usually that he's very bloody-minded and single-purpose. He's tough. He His social game is not very good. So... Um, Other than the guys I just mentioned, other past past true grits include John Rocker, Cliff Robinson, Jeff Kent, Steve Wright, and of course, the winner, Tom Westman.
0: I almost feel like that the retired athlete, though, should be its own thing, because I feel like that there is a stigma that's attached with that where, say, like a retired cop doesn't have that same sort of like, oh, he has a lot of money. We should get rid of him.
1: If there is one character type that I would try splitting into two, it would be this one.
0: Yes. Well, what's preventing you? You don't want to have too many character types?
1: I don't want to have too many because when you split it, the data becomes kind of useless when the pools get smaller. I notice that the girls, I feel like it's more accurate because I have, I feel like I have more variation and more option with them. But also, I don't know, it just seems kind of silly when, you know, when you have some character types that that have only played like, like crazy cat lady has played eight times. That's that, that makes me think that's not its own character type that that I've missed something and maybe it should be absorbed by another one because that's just such a small selection. I mean, maybe some character types get retired by CBS because we're tired of seeing them. I don't know.
0: Has there been a retired character type?
1: Well, Crazy Cat Lady hasn't been around for a long time.
0: Hmm. All right. Well, we'll see. I'm sure there's a lot of Crazy Cat ladies sending in tapes. I mean, I should (laughs) say eccentric feline females.
1: That's right.
0: Sorry. I forgot.
1: Well, just just because you have a cat, it doesn't make you crazy. That's right.
0: It's not even Big Brother season, so we don't need to worry about that too much. All right, so Scott Pollard, you don't feel great things about him. What was your take on him from watching his video and going through his bio? Because Corinne was very high on him. I was sort of so-so on him. I'd be interested to know your take on Scott Pollard. Forget what the system says.
1: OK, well, traditionally, like the true grit players are not the best strategic players like they are shelter people. They want <laughs> to do practical things and declare practical alliances. And they are not good at adapting our people skills. And Scott seems to fit perfectly into the go out there and get it done. One dimensional plan of the true grit player. Um, as for his bio, it was not smart. I almost fell asleep reading it. And frankly, I expected more from someone who's 12 feet tall. Like he played a lot in the NBA and he likes motorcycles. That's essentially what his bio is. So was. you feel
0: like the taller you are, the funnier your bio should be.
1: I think it feels like that's that, a weird
0: thing to chart together.
1: I just think that if you're larger than life, you better bring it. That's <laughs> what I'm thinking. But, and I honestly think the placement of 14th in this case might be a little generous. Okay. Like I would take note survivor fans of the very first episode where he actually gets a confessional because dollars to dragon tattoos. It's his boot episode.
0: Hmm. Okay. Well, make sure you're not on the carpool that night. Don't miss the intro.
1: <laughs> oh! <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Um, for Scott Pollard.
1: I just, I'm, I get the sense that he's, that he's doing this because some people want him to do this. Not necessarily because he's really into it. You know, he's like, all right. And he's giving the standard, like sports ball interview answers. Like I'm just here for the team. And I don't know. It was just bland.
0: Okay. So let's talk about the final person. If it's a traditional season, where we have 12 people who are making the merge in the modern day traditional game. Six people will be on that pre jury pre merge trip. Who is the sixth person that will be undateable this season?
1: It is the, I can see your periscope, which is Jennifer Lanzetti.
0: Okay. Explain. I can see your periscope. This is the one that I always have the worst read on.
1: Yeah, there seems to be, there's, there's a, this is the only section of the system where there is kind of a generational uh, transition. Uh, and it's and it's a female character type. So it starts with uh, secretly smart bikini babe is pre-law. Your Meredith Gray is your young lawyer in her tw- in her late twenties. And then when they get old and bitter, older, and sm- yeah, and smart as hell, more they bitter. Turn in- they turn right. into the I can see your periscope. So these are lawyers, cops, firefighters. They're a little bit more um, blue collar than your Meredith Greys. Meredith Greys are usually like doctors and lawyers. Um, and they're usually 40 years and up and they are extremely good at reading people, but they're also a little bit bossy, mm. but they're highly intelligent. Okay. So the notable past ones, they don't do very well. So Cass was the exception to this. Um, so it's, it's people like Kelly Remington, uh, Christine from South Pacific, Julie Wolf, Betsy Bolin, Cassandra, Scout, Helen Glover, uh, Jim, uh, Kim Johnson, Mad Dog and Gretchen. Yeah. Again, this is one of those ones that was really tough. Like Jennifer had the potential to be a tough old broad, but she's a little young for that. And uh, she really has that no BS tomboy quality to her that that I can see her Periscope is often really known for. Her job is listed as contractor. That always makes me wonder if they mean like construction worker or assassin. (laughs)
0: Like
1: I think an assassin would do very well on Survivor.
0: (laughs) I do sense an assassin would do pretty well on Survivor. Yeah, uh, but
1: cons- construction workers are hit and miss, though. The fake ones do pretty yeah, fake well. Fake but-
0: construction workers are good. Boston Rob was good. I feel like that the male construction workers, I think that that's probably a good thing in the system, right?
1: Yeah, like yeah, they they're good at they're good at making it to the end, but then not necessarily finishing.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe female construction worker is a whole different story.
1: I think it is. Maybe it should be its own. Time.
0: <laughs> maybe. So, all right.
1: So Jennifer is also a recovering addict and addicts tend to do all right. Like Todd was able to read people and manipulate situations to an advantage. Well, Venus, well I feel like that Todd, one, one, that's
0: a little ex post facto now. Right. I feel like that Todd, his troubles have been well documented, but I feel like that they all happen after he played Survivor.
1: Yeah, you don't suddenly become an addict like you always were and then it just blossoms. That's what happens. Okay. So it's like what whatever personality traits you have as an addict, you had them before you you found your drug of choice. That's how that works. And you'll have to like Vetus 1.0 did re- very well too cuz you're you're very good at getting what you want when you have that that addict personality. Okay. A lot of it, a lot of success in addiction is about manipulation, which is why, you know, people that are like undercover cops and addicts, I imagine would be extremely good at, at games like Big Brother and, and Survivor.
0: So you feel like that there is upside for Jennifer?
1: Yes. I think that if, if there's anything going for her, it is her ability to be able to uh, to weather the storm and, and, and read a room. Yeah. Okay. But then Jennifer's going to make big moves. So then it all went down the drain. So
0: (laughs) why do you say she's going to make big moves?
1: Because probes told her to make big moves. And I'm like, don't drink the Kool-Aid, Jennifer. You did that before and it got you in trouble.
0: Hold on. So why? Now, why are you saying that Jeff told her to make big moves? Because of the Clockwork Orange thing?
1: Yeah, because it's just, that's that's Jeff's big thing. You, you know, you, if you want to win Survivor, you must make big moves. And then they all come out saying, must make big moves, yeah. must make big Like, I'm sure they're indoctrinated with it. Well,
0: she was friends with Jonas, and I feel like that Jonas would probably tell her to make big moves, because he yeah. didn't make big moves. And he's probably telling her, like, look, if I give you one piece of advice, make big moves. When Kim is doing stuff, don't just sit there. Yeah. Make a big no. move.
1: No, that don't would wait. be, that would definitely be what he would say. Yeah. That would... All I right. agree. So you think you think he's been counseling her?
0: I think so. I mean, I think that that is her buddy. So I felt like that if that was the piece of advice that he would give, I think that he would say, be aggressive out there.
1: I think he'd say, whatever you do, don't listen to anything I say. Sure. Um, she, she leaps without a net because the ground is bouncy or something like that. I didn't.
0: Semper Gumby.
1: Semper Gumby. I think she's going to bounce right out of season 32.
0: Not Semper Humby. No. Right. So those are our bottom six.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I did want to add like Cass is the only version of this type to be remotely successful, and it was because of her keen intellect, not because of her brawn. So this type usually gets pushed out, usually pre merge or just after. So yeah, she better uh, better remain adaptable if she wants to get past that.
0: So this is our bottom six, our pre merge undateable people, and they are all out just to sort of reset who we've got so far. That's Liz. And Neil. They are the brains. And then you did two of the beauties in Ty and Anna, and then two of the bronze in Scott and Jennifer. So we're going into a potential merge 444.
1: It's very even so far.
0: Very even so far. This makes for an exciting merge. And so, in this very interesting season generated by your system, who is the first boot at the merge?
1: Our alpha male control freak. Who is Joseph Del Campo.
0: Joe Del Campo. Well, he made it to the merge, so that's good. Mm-hmm. So why do you call him the alpha male control freak?
1: Well, this guy is usually a CEO or a doctor or a rich and powerful guy. He's bossy and controlling. He was tricky for me. I originally wanted to put him as a true grit. He looked very much like a true grit, and but Scott couldn't be anything but a true grit. That's why I was saying sometimes I'm tempted to, to split that character type in two. And I thought... He Joe is not going to be able to stop himself from being the leader because that's what he's been trained to do. And he doesn't know enough about the game to know that you shouldn't do that. That's why I think he's going to go in there. And first of all, I have to say this guy has medevac written all over him.
0: Mm. I'd like to say that I disagree, but I am worried about him.
1: Yeah. I mean, and he's here for the adventure and because he's really fit. That's what he kept saying over and over again. And that's the dumbest reason ever to be on Survivor. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure if he really knows where he is. So my concern is he's not going to fit in well with everyone else. He may bond a bit with Debbie, and that may keep him alive for a couple of votes. But um, the other brains are not going to want to keep some old guy who's trying to make them his, you know, junior deputy firewood bitch. They just won't.
0: Well, do you get the sense that that's how he's going to be? Like, I feel like that that's the fear. But I almost feel like if he makes it to this point, like, I kind of feel like that he didn't do those things. Although, ironically, the guy on my season of Survivor was the person who was sort of like the... Alpha male control freak who did boss everybody yeah. around and then this is the exact spot that he went out.
1: Yes. I think that is the personality type. And I think he's gonna have he he's gonna have to really struggle to not assert himself like that. And like I said, I don't get the sense that he knows the game well enough to realize to fight that in. He
0: said he was like Tom Westman. That's a pretty deep cut reference in two
1: thousand fifteen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know it's two thousand sixteen,
0: but he filled it out last year, I bet.
1: Yeah, I guess. I I don't think I don't think Tom Westman I don't want to start in any flame wars or anything. I don't think Tom Westman was necessarily the most strategic winner. You know, I think, I think he, uh, I think he oh, had dear, a pretty yeah. solid, well, there wasn't a lot of, of adaptability going through there. So maybe, maybe he does have a lot of the same qualities. I would need to see his, his social skills too to, to know for sure. Um, what, what concerned me about this, uh, this guy as well, do you notice in the videos it's like, they're trying to get you to to highlight the one strength of your character that you bring to the game in in like the the little the little pantomime while they put the voice uh the voiceover over top of it and he's like just he's like hunkering in a bush and he's like he's
0: going undercover
1: he's going undercover yeah i just i'm like really that's
0: this was corinne's winner pick
1: was it yeah (laughs) sorry i didn't mean to laugh um interesting Corinne's winner pick is this guy. Is Corinne ever right? I'm trying to remember what her past winner picks were. She's not right, is she? I
0: think she's picked the the likes of uh, Dale Wentworth. I think she actually Mm -hmm. did pick Jeremy in San Juan del Sur, but not in the right season that he won. So, yeah,
1: I remember her discussion of Dale Wentworth. She likes the older yeah, guys. She, she, likes bonds, the old. she bonds with them. That's why yeah. I'm hope I'm hoping he's got that. I hope he's socially strong and I'm hoping he's able to to bond with those guys out there because it would be really interesting to see someone um, like him go go deep in the game. I just I don't know. It was it was just he seemed very alpha in his video talking about adventure and all the things he's accomplished and, and stuff like that. And that usually doesn't bode well.
0: Okay. All right. Well, we hope for better things for Joe Del Campo. All right. So we're up to 11th place. Second member of the jury. Who you got? Who does the system say?
1: Little Red Riding Hood, which is Julia.
0: Little Red Riding Hood. Tell me about Julia, 19-year-old Julia.
1: Yeah. So the Little Red Riding Hood is very young. She's usually very pretty. like That's the pageant girl. She can be tough, but she's usually not particularly smart. So, um, the notable past little red riding heads and by smart, I mean like survivor smart, you know what I mean? Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Jacqueline Schultz, Jeffra, Kat, Angie Cookies, Nat 10, Julie Berry, Nalia, Jenna Maraska, Amber, and Jenna Lewis.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, just looking at her bio and her video, I mean, she's in a sorority rob. So basically she's got this on lock.
0: Well, there's a lot of lessons that it can be learned. I think that uh, fraternities and sororities are good practice for survivor in some way, shape or form. I know that it sounds very silly, but I felt like I was in a fraternity in college and I did feel like it was good practice in terms of social politics, that there are often elections for offices. So I don't want to just dismiss being in a Greek organization as something that does not prepare you. Like I'm being serious, though, like I know it's I know, like, I know, un- OK, I sure, you drink and whatever and you party, but in all of these sort of like organizations, like there is some sort of power struggle that does go on there.
1: Okay, I just think that eighteen-year-olds shouldn't try and play up their life experience. Like, talk about how no one will see you as a threat. Mm-hmm. That would that would make you sound like you know what you're doing. But say, but trying to act like you have enough experience in your 18 years <laughs> and you were you were just in high school like five seconds ago to win this game. Yeah. And that's the part that well, I'm you know I'm very social. I'm constantly networking my sororities, which means I'm going to win Survivor. Maybe it's a bit of okay. a leap.
0: It's a bit of a leap.
1: I'm not saying it's 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 bad prep. Yeah, but some of these some of these other players have some serious life experience that's just going to blow that out of the water. I get like,
0: that, but somebody has a microphone in your face and it's like you can't really say okay, uh, pass on that. It's like you know, <laughs> it's your sort of like a beauty pageant type question, and it's like okay, yeah. why are you ready to win Survivor? And it's like well, and you just start talking and you come up with what you come up with.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. And she says she's a super fan because she's been watching since she was five. Yeah. And as a survivor super fan, can I say it really grates my cheese when player like, players like Julia say she's a super fan of the game and then say she's going to win because she likes hiking.
2: <laughs>
1: like, like, stop representing me. You suck at it. You know, so I think she's just way too young. I think she's going to net 10 this so hard. It's going to be really ugly.
0: Well, I mean, Nat 10 would be a very favorable outcome. I mean, that Natalie Tenorelli ended up getting to the final three. And so while Natalie Tenorelli did not do a lot strategically, I think that you would probably sign on the dotted line if you're Julia to be Natalie Tenorelli.
1: Well, I mean, if you want to get to the end and not win, by all means.
0: Yeah. I mean, it would be very hard for a 19-year-old woman to come in and win Survivor against a very tough field of competitors. So... I think you would take that.
1: Why would she not say that when they ask her? Because About, she's, about her chances.
0: <laughs> you no, know...
1: Like, why would she not say, I'm very young and I want to be the one that's able to go against these, this very competitive field and succeed? Because
0: she doesn't have me and you coaching her up to do these interviews.
1: I don't know. I just think... Uh, I don't know. I think if she's a, if she's a student and she wants to... If she want, I guess I just... I expect people to, to know what to say.
0: I don't know. Right. I think that the best case scenario for her is sort of like a Natalie White type scenario where someone is going to work with her and get to the end and sort of like, you know, I hate you, Russell. And, you know, we like Julia. And so she gets votes that are a little bit out of spite, maybe some that votes that are for her, but maybe some votes that are against somebody else. And you could sort of like triangulate maybe a win in that regards, but it's probably a lot of fan fiction.
1: Yeah, that would be her best chance, I think. Yeah. to really, uh, to to really work with a with another player that's seen as a little bit too aggressive. Um, but even then, she's got to make enough of an impact socially to to for people to feel justified in giving her uh, throwing her a few votes.
0: Look, I think she's going to be likable. Is she able to turn a few moves? You say that this is like the clockwork orange like hey, you got to make big moves, got to make big moves. What happens if she
1: makes one? That would be very interesting. Yeah. I don't I don't think Julia is the one that's going to make the big move, honestly, but It
0: would seem that it would be unlikely or improbable in terms of like what is likely to happen in this season, mm-hmm. but you never know.
1: But if she does, if she pulls it off, then I will stand down and I will eat a rock.
0: <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Julia, you have it number 11. Okay. Now we are mm-hmm. at our top 10.
1: Top 10. So, yeah.
0: who do you have in 10th place according to the system?
1: The specialist. The we specialist. love the specialist. This year's specialist is Nick.
0: Oh. Uh, <laughs> see, I'm very surprised that you have Nick as the specialist and not as your seduce and destroy.
1: I was so close to making him seduce and destroy. So close. Okay,
0: so talk that through. Why is Nick Majorano the specialist and not seduce and destroy? Because I almost feel like if anybody in any season is going to be your seduce and destroy, it feels like it would be Nick. So can you just sort of set up what that is and what the specialist is and why Nick is a specialist?
1: Okay, how I know who the specialist is is by waiting to see which player makes me throw up in my mouth a little bit. Okay. There is no part of Nick's bio or video that makes me feel like he has a good chance of winning the game or even being an interesting character. His advice to win at life is to pretend that you listen and care. hmm he openly admits to being egotistical, which at least puts him above most of the other specialists who have played the game. Like I was debating between specialist and seduce and destroy for him um, because he did have a real kind of Drew Christie vibe. But in the end, I couldn't get past that ego and the story like his whole vibe was so narcissistic, like his whole vibe was. I am so good at this. I'm better at this than anyone has ever been at this. And you have to remember a lot of the time the seduce and destroy guys are quite successful in their jobs. Like they're, they're, like if you look at Joaquin, you know, he, he is a, he's a marketing director. He's a six, he's a successful guy. He is a, an A type personality. He's very, he does have a keen social game. He's just a bit of a D bag. Like he's just a little bit. <laughs> of a you know, a womanizer. That's what a seduce and destroy is. They can um they're not always uh they're not always nincompoops you know? Like mm-hmm. and I felt that I, I felt like his it's the storytelling, it's the sense of self, it's the, you know feeling like they are better than everybody else. That's that's uh that is the the sign of the specialist. Okay. That the, the story in their own mind is completely a part from reality.
0: Okay. So, in reading your tone about Nick, you sound yeah. very down on Nick, very negative. So, why is Nick so high and why has he made it so far into this season to come in 10th place?
1: If you look at the past specialists, there are people like Tarzan and Philip Shepard and Coach. These are people, Mateo from your season, these are people that um, get taken along. Because uh, they are loyal to their alliance. They often believe they're in charge of their alliance, and that's why they're loyal to it. And they're easy to beat. Anyone would, any player in the season would be an idiot not to take Nick to the end because he will have so um, creeped everyone out that uh, no one's going to vote for him. You know, and it's my feeling that there's so, because he thinks he's very good at getting along with people. And again, I am simply going by his, his video, Mm -hmm. and he might have really been playing that up. He may be, he may be very good. At, at the social game when he actually gets on the island. And I may completely recount all of this. But my feeling is that there are, um, there are so many players in this game who are actually really good at reading people, and he's gonna set off their creep dar immediately. It's gonna be like, so, Abby, how's your body? And they're gonna go, ew.
0: I think he's gonna be better at it than I think than uh, you think, or I think a lot of people do think. I, I feel like he's sort of like letting us have a peek behind the curtain. More than other people say have done so before, and I do feel like that he's going to be more Johnny Fairplay than somebody who's like a drew Christie. I think that he's his attitude I think is sort of like watch what i 'm going to do to all these idiots right now i 'm going to pretend that I care about their story and then I think that to the person who he's pretending to care about their story, I don't think it will be as transparent as it sounds like you think he's going to be. But I think it'll be fun to see whether it works or whether it doesn't.
1: Well, the other reason I I would agree with that for sure. The other reason I put him as the specialist is there was another candidate for seduce and destroy. And that other candidate didn't fit anywhere else. So Nick was the one that I went back to and said, OK, is he really seduce and destroy? And when I saw his I saw his his smiley face constantly um, pumping himself up and um, I don't know, I just thought it kind of fit like the, the, the story of himself is larger than life.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I think it's going to be interesting to see how it works out because no matter what the outcome is, I think that it makes for either that he is sort of like plays horribly and that gets blown up like a Drew Christie and that's fun to watch or he does it well and then that's also fun to watch. So either outcome, I think to me, is very exciting TV.
1: And I have him making the merge, which is pretty good. So he could exceed that. Yeah, 10th place. All right. It's not bad.
0: So who does the system have in ninth place?
1: That would who that would be who I put in as the seduce and destroy. And that is Peter,
0: Peter, Dr. Obama,
1: yes. Dr. Obama. So uh, the reason why I did that is seduce and destroy is a young professional, often in marketing and sales. He can be a lady, ladies man. He can be super arrogant. He thinks he's very charming but a lot of uh, like the past notable Seduce and Destroys, they can be guys that are a little bit smarmy like Joaquin and Drew Christie. But John Cody is also one of those, you know, um, Yule and Earl are those guys. Varner, David Murphy, Sash, the Finchler Jean Robert, Pete Bro, mm-hmm. Albert. Like there's a wide spectrum of this of this character type. They have a they have a very wide berth in terms of which one of those um, characteristics they're going to play up and uh peter i felt like he's one of those guys who likes to fill a room by announcing that he's a doctor like he likes to go on and on about how being how great being a doctor is and he also likes to name drop obama like he was the chosen one or something
0: wait that obama Um, was the chosen one or that peter is the chosen one no that
1: no like i i look like obama i don't like to brag but i look like obama it's like you you actually had nothing to do with (laughs) no he says
0: he hates looking like obama he hates when people say that to him
1: You think it was a humble brag? You think it's like, I was totally, people tell me all the time
0: that I look like Brad Pitt. If I hear that from one more person that I look like Brad Pitt, it's like, I just want to like scream at them. It's like, Hey, I'm busy trying to do a podcast. Stop telling me I look like Brad Pitt over here. It drives me crazy.
1: Yeah. It's such a drag. Having people always treat me like the most powerful man in the Western world. (laughs) It's really a bummer. Um, and you know what? Other than like the NBA guy, whose name I've already forgotten. Scott Pollard. Uh, yeah, Albert. I mean, Peter is uh, the most boring dude out there, I think. <laughs> I think. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but I love the shade he throws at his mom. Like, did you catch that? <laughs> he says, my my dad's a brain surgeon. My brother's a brain surgeon. My mom's a midwife, but we're all very smart.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: I, I think the mom shade is probably the worst kind of shade you should, you should be right. Throwing.
0: Right. That's worse than Sierra, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Way worse. And I think Mrs. Obama senior will be showing up for the family visit ready to kick his ass. <laughs> actually, actually no, she isn't because he isn't making it to the family. visit. Um,
0: oh wow. She,
1: she, you know, she always knew she couldn't count on him. Yeah. So
0: Corinne got the same take from him also that she thought he would be boring.
1: Yeah. He just seemed to, yeah, he seemed a little bland and, I don't know. Just, just because you're a doctor doesn't mean that you're intellectually stimulating. In fact, I, th- I think sometimes things like med school can actually stunt your social growth a little because you're stuck in a book for so many years. Mm-hmm. All you're doing is memorizing stuff. And then you get spat out into the into the real world, and you just like, you have no, um, you have no skills for actually interacting with human beings. So I don't know. He hey. did seem a little bland to me. Doesn't we'll see.
0: Stop any of those doctors on Grey's Anatomy.
1: No, those guys are interesting because they're fake doctors.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, Angie, how about number eight?
1: Number eight is our Lady Gaga. Right. And our Lady Gaga is Michelle Fitzgerald.
0: All right, set up what a Lady Gaga is somebody who comes out and sings the
1: national anthem. I wish. Uh, no, they are the flaky, new agey, not mainstream, not strategic, spacey chick. Okay. So, past notable Lady Gagas include Jen Brown, Sugar Flicka, Courtney Merritt, Dara, and Kimmy Kappenberg.
0: Nonconformist.
1: Nonconformist. So, my take of Michelle: uh, You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: So I've, as I said before, I've gleaned from the CBS videos that they get the players to do an action that represents their core strength. Uh, while playing the voiceover Michelle is dancing on the beach crushing on Harry Potter like she's on some sort of 70s acid trip so I don't know what that's going to bring to the game Mm -hmm. once again don't say you're a super fan of the game and then describe it as the ultimate adventure that drives me nuts
0: (laughs) well that's a very specific thing to be upset about
1: it is very I'm a very specific person I'm very exacting (laughs) yeah Uh, and also don't tell me you're a super fan and then say you're like Parvati she's nothing like Parvati she's like Courtney Merritt and Sugar Okay, like she okay, so she's a bartender who's toured with bands. That's why she's the lady Gaga. She wants adventure and to test herself. Nope, you won't like it. I'm hoping that I've misjudged her because I actually want her to be good, but she seems super flaky to me.
0: I see I didn't get a Courtney merit or sugar vibe from her in terms of. Who she is? Like, what is it that you're keying to? That the fact that she says that she's in it for the adventure, or that she just toured with bands.
1: Yeah, it's the fact that she is a bartender. The fact that she's around the right age, and she's just like, yeah, I was, I was doing this thing on the, in over in you know Asia for a while, and then I was doing you know, it's just that that kind of world adventure. Hey man, yeah, going with the flow, and then I did this amazing, you know, the type of person that would live in like a commune somewhere, you know, just that kind of yoga vibe and you know
0: yeah but i feel like that that traditionally is something that's like very california and she's from jersey like i don't feel like that's an east coast trait
1: no she rebelled she's like oh. this this jersey crap
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah like my parents are from jersey so i'm gonna be the opposite yeah wow
1: and they're like damn you <laughs> it's not always the way yeah
0: Wow, so the parents must be pissed.
1: Ungrateful child.
0: (laughs) Okay, all right. So that is your Lady Gaga top seven.
1: Top seven. So at seventh, we have our Chelsea Handler. Chelsea Handler. And that is... Aubrey Bracco. Aubrey. Aubrey. So our Chelsea Handler, it can be any profession, but she's very witty. She can be hypercritical. She doesn't always have to be gorgeous. So she's not like the secretly smart bikini baby. She's highly intelligent and extremely social. So she's the one that is quirky and cracking everybody up all the time. So past notable Chelsea Handlers would be Shireen, Sierra, Corinne, Sophie. Uh, Stephanie Valencia was one of these. Erin Lobdell is one of my classic chelsea handlers courtney yates and jerry matthew
0: can i just take a moment and say that i really enjoyed the netflix chelsea handler show have you watched that i have not it's a good watch it's only like four episodes yeah it's it's a lot different than her show on e which i thought was very like surface but uh, she actually Mm -hmm. explores some interesting things i watched it one night and i couldn't i was very impressed i really went in with very low expectations i thought it was very good okay and so like Aubrey, maybe you're saying did you go in with low expectations and here she is top seven.
1: Uh, I did. I did. I really liked Aubrey. And I, I can't wait to see Aubrey's faces. Like, what kind of faces does she mean that she makes? Like, wow, you're really stupid faces. Because I, I make those all the time and I can verify that people really don't like it.
0: Are you making one now?
1: I am a little okay. bit. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, I feel like that Aubrey is going to be interesting. I feel like that uh, Corinne and Nicole were both not so high on her in terms of how she was going to do that. They felt like that she wasn't going to fit in, in that brains tribe, but I feel like she's kind of in her element over there.
1: A little bit. I mean, I'm, I am in, in the brains tribe. I think she's going to be okay. I mean, she said she had some opportunities to go to some really good, great schools. Like her bio speaks of her doing her thesis at Brown. So she has at least two degrees. Um, Now she's living the dream of becoming like Hermione. And I think in the brains tribe, I think she'll be okay. I actually believe this one is a super fan. I mostly believe it because she doesn't actually use the word super fan. Um, she says she's the love child of Sophie and Cochran. So I, I basically love her because she said that. And I, I like that more and more a casting are putting really intelligent women as the Chelsea handlers. And she does have like a 10% win rate when you remove the returnee seasons, which means she has a real shot here. But... That was a really long tangent. My worry for her is also that she will come across as too much of a weirdo and kind of alienate herself. Like the other women are so very different from her Mm. and they may, she may struggle to relate to them and she may feel like a bit of an outsider and have trouble being uh, in a big group with them. But
0: I don't get the sense from her that she's an outsider, that her occupation is social media marketer. And while you could say, oh, that's somebody that works behind a computer, but The key word there is social that you really is working on people skills in terms of getting a brand or whoever you're representing on social media that you're talking with people. You have to know ways like to not get into conflict with people, which there are a lot of people on the internet that are looking for conflict. Uh, I wouldn't know anything about uh, interacting with people like that. And then also, uh, you know, she's not a, she's not a kid. She's 29. So I sort of like that, that age area. That she's in. And she also talked about how she loves meeting people. She's not sort of yeah. like somebody who's anti social, where Cochrane, who is somebody who she says she's like, but Cochrane is like, I have social anxiety. You know, I don't yeah. really feel yeah. comfortable around people. She's saying she loves interacting with people. So I feel good about Aubrey from a people skill perspective.
1: I have very high hopes for her, meaning that I really hope she does well. It does scare me that she is so quirky and that her intelligence may come across a bit intense for some people. Mm-hmm. She may play. She may be that one that's like, oh, I wish she'd stop talking about astrology. <laughs> like sure. she gives a she gives a bit of a Shireen vibe yes. to me, and I'm no, I can see I'm, that. I'm scared that people are going to be a little bit annoyed with her because her brain's never going to stop. And I think that
0: Shireen is the kind of person where I think when she's with a crowd that is appreciative of Shireen, I think that's a great setup for her. And I think when she's with a crowd where people who are not so into Shireen, I feel like it's a problem. And I think that Aubrey could be that same sort of thing. It's really going to depend on her landing spots. But I do think in the initial run, In the brains tribe, I think that she's going to be in a soft landing spot.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's exactly. If you're the type of person that likes the type of person that Aubrey is, she's probably hilarious. But if you're going to be annoyed by it, there isn't much that she's going to be able to do. And I don't think it's the kind of personality type that the majority of people playing this game are going to really enjoy. I think the majority of brains will think she's pretty cool. But once they get into merges and swaps, she may have a bit of a struggle.
0: Top six.
1: Number six is our G.I. Jane, Sydney Gillen.
0: Sydney Gillen,
1: Sydney G- Gillen, the uh, the twenty three year old bodybuilder. Okay. So this is another one of those character types that do better when you take the returnee uh, players out. So this is a extremely tough and athletic woman who likes to hunt and fish and sometimes is a pro athlete, and that's why Sydney's in here. Um, so past notable GI Jane's include Baylor, Michaela, Andrea, Stephanie Lagrosa, Crystal Cox, uh, Double D Lorenzo, and Wigglesworth. So
0: Crystal Cox and Baylor are the same character type for you?
1: Yeah, I know. I took a lot of crap about putting Baylor as a GI Jane, mm-hmm. but she w- she's highly athletic with her uh, competitive cheerleading. I I imagine is very similar at least to a certain extent to competitive gymnastics. There's a lot of tumbling, which is really really tough to do and you have to be in extremely good shape in order to do that. I may have, I may have been giving her a little too much credit.
0: Love you, bae. Okay, well, she came in like fifth place. That's that's something. All right. So talk to me more about Sydney and uh, what you're liking or at least what the system is liking about her to get her to sixth place.
1: Well, I mean, I was very close to making Sydney the secretly smart bikini babe because she's pre-med. But it just wasn't it wasn't really a great fit. Like her bio was all about discipline and determination. And she has an intensity about her that is consistent with the, with the G.I. Jane. But then there's the crazy pants side as well.
0: That's the Rebecca slash Storm side? Yeah. What character type is Storm?
1: Storm would be an oh no you didn't. Um, Rebecca would be more like a secretly smart bikini babe. Like I really liked Sydney until she started talking about multiple personalities. And I get that people feel like they have different sides to their personality, but actually naming those sides, I feel crosses a line a bit.
0: Do you have an alter ego, Angie?
1: I do not. I'm just Angie. That's, isn't that enough? Mm.
0: Maybe you could come up with one.
1: I don't, I don't see the benefit to that. I think that, I I think that, uh, the Angie I am is all the Angie the world ever needs. (laughs) How's that? And I think between Joey's Alex and Austin's Judas, I think it's safe to say that alter egos on reality TV shows are just stupid. It's stupid.
0: (laughs) You didn't like Judas slash Austin this summer on Big Brother?
1: No, he was lame. He was lame. Everyone thought it sucked.
0: Not everybody. Liz liked it.
1: No, I don't think she liked it. I think she's I think she's face palmed when she saw that uh, that that season back and saw the the top hat come out. She's like, oh, that's so stupid. Oh. So Sydney wants tweezers because her eyebrows can get crazy. Yeah, her eye, her eyebrows can get loud too.
0: Her eyebrows can get like storm.
1: Yeah, they can. She says she's most like Tony because of his loyalty, which. You know, you brought up, mm-hmm. you brought this up in your yeah. cast assessment. I think when you think of Tony, loyalty isn't the first word that comes to mind. What
0: but- are you talking about? I was loyal all the time. I loyal <laughs> to- yeah, I can't even.
1: <laughs> I can't even. Yeah. This is one of those character types to do much better when you pull out the returning players. So her chances are like if she's going to do it, this is her time to do it because it's her first time out. But okay. Um and even even though she mentioned Storm I did not put her as no don't, oh no you didn't because she is sm- kind of small town and she kept talking about her her good manners and I don't think she's going to be a hothead to tell you the truth, I think she's not gonna even a, storm, not even storm. I think if it, what's going to, if she's going to be difficult to get along with, it's going to be because she, it's going to be because she has that Stephanie LaGrosa kind of um, competitive quality where she's going to be really upset if they don't do well in a challenge. I'm also worried she's going to pull a crystal cox
0: mm-hmm.
1: in that she's in, she's do in performance can-
0: enhancing drugs.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know what an amino chain is, but it sounds pretty, uh, pretty illegal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Amino chain. That was like when I used to tell Matthew Von Erfelder to do something and then he used to tell Butch to go do something.
1: Yeah, because he's on a need to know. basis. (laughs) Um, I'm worried that she's going to get out there and her body's going to fall apart because it can't function without all the the stuff that she needs to put in it in order to be a bodybuilder. And then she's going to be very weak and disappointing in challenges and she's going to be really upset. And it it might be a bit of a.
0: Yeah, could be a shock to the system. I could see that.
1: It could be a mess. Okay. It could be a big, a big mess out there.
0: All right, top five, baby.
1: Top five, baby. Here we go. At Number five, we have our good old boy, who is Caleb Reynolds. Okay, Ba-ba-ba. little
0: boy. Okay, so Angie, I know you are a recent convert to Big Brother. Did you see Beast Mode Cowboy in Big Brother Sixteen?
1: Heard that?
0: Yeah. All right. Talk to me about. Caleb Reynolds, now (laughs) he did have a fourth place finish in Big Brother 16. So I guess that does speak well to his potential longevity on a CBS reality show. What is the system seeing about Beast Mode Cowboy?
1: Well, the good old boy is your southern-accented, country roots, often a farmer, rancher, very social, very loyal, and easy to get along with. So the past notable good old boys include Mike Holloway, Keith Nail, Jeremiah Wood, Rancher Rick, JT, Bobby John, Boo, and Big Tom. Mm Mm-hmm. So the good old boy is often a character who is fiercely loyal, and Beast Mode Cowboy fits into this mold perfectly. Yes, he does. Like Big Tom and Keith, Caleb is funny. And like Mike, he has a lot of energy and spunk. And like the beautiful Jeremiah Wood, he has many good qualities, but his ability to manage survivor strategy may not be one of them. No. So he is tight with Derek, though, so I wouldn't be surprised if he picked up a little bit of strategic Mm. brain cells just through osmosis. He
0: was tight with Derek. Yes, he
1: was. It was. Not anymore. Yeah.
0: Scandal. Now, that would be interesting to me. We haven't really talked about that. Does he come back and try to play the Derek card? Does he say like, okay, that's what I need to do to win. I need to be more Derek-like. I need to be sort of like being the the person who's pulling the puppet strings. That would be a bad move.
1: Yeah, it would. I was wondering, is this kind of like the equivalent of a returnee season for Beast Mode Mm. Cowboy? Is is he going to come back like Wu and say, okay, I'm not going to be manipulated. I'm not going to be the one not making all the power moves. And he might play a little bit too hard. I suspect not.
0: I feel like that he is probably playing for the camera time more than the prize of being the sole survivor. So, I don't think he tries to pull any sort of like godfather moves and try to be the Derek of this season.
1: I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't. Cause I think he could go far if he just plays it cool. And uh, I mean, he says he's going to be like Mowgli in the jungle book, which is funny because the first time I laid eyes on beast mode cowboy, I said to myself, now that is a Rudyard Kipling fan. <laughs> and wasn't it Rudyard Kipling Rob who said, but why should I waste wisdom on a river turtle? <laughs> Yeah, that's my totally random joke.
0: Oh, it? you're like Stephen Fishback. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> I loved that part when he broke into poetry. I'm like, you go! Do it. Okay. Um, I know most supervans don't have high hopes for poor uh, poor Beast Mode, but I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say he makes top five.
0: You certainly could craft the narrative that he's somebody who is a loyal soldier to whatever alliance he's in. He's a vote that you can count on. He's not the type of guy who's going to be probably like going off the reservation in terms of what he's doing with the votes. Mm -hmm. However, there is the certain outcome of that. You get sort of like the first half beast mode cowboy to some degree with the real fascination with Amber. And maybe that is a sort of an isolated instance. And like, maybe that she, there was something in particular about Amber that really just captivated him or maybe just being around any of the women on this season might sort of trigger that same thing. It's very hard to tell in that sample size of 10 weeks or so in the life of beast mode cowboy.
1: I almost think it was environmental. Mm. Like it's so boring and big brother, yeah. you know, and he's kind of ADHD. I think he just fixated on something cause he was so bored and survivor is so fast comparatively. I think he's, I think he's not going to have the same kind of issues with that. And also I think, um, I believe that under all of Caleb's bravado and class uh, clownery is a very sweet and loyal soul. Like there's an innocent quality to him that I think will serve him very well.
0: Angie, you sound like you're a beast mode fangirl.
1: <sighs> I wouldn't go that far. I would not go that far. But there is, I don't know, there's almost like a, a childish quality that an innocent quality to him that I think, um, I think the rest of it is is more of an act, right? And I think he'll get into an alliance and I think he'll stick with it. And I think he'll be likable and he may even go to the very end because of it. So I'm backing you beast mode. Don't fuck it up.
0: (laughs) All right. So then now let's talk about our top four.
1: Mm -hmm. In fourth place, we have our John McClain, who is Darnell Hamilton.
0: Okay. Love John McClain.
1: Love John McClain. So he's the 25 to 35 year old regular Joe. So he's usually in a blue collar job. He can be aggressive, intense, funny, social, and athletic. So past notable John McClains are Rodney, Jeremy Collins, Malcolm Freebird, Boston Rob, James Clement, Rocky, Judd, Chris, and Colby Donaldson. Mm -hmm. So Darnell fits the description of a John McClain to a T. It is clear from his bio that he knows Survivor. He compares himself to Sean Rector and JT as well as Boston, Boston Rob. He actually reminds me quite a bit of Rodney. And like Rodney, while fun to be around, I worry that he, I worry that he might be a little bit of a hothead. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know what I mean by, by him reminding me of Rodney? Like that kind of uh, very urban. Rough around the edges, but really funny and really likable.
0: Much like Rodney, I feel like that he is sort of street smart as opposed to somebody who is like a book smart type strategist. So he's going to be hustling.
1: Mm -hmm. That's right. I really like Darnell. Uh, He says he knows how it feels to fail and how to use negative energy to his advantage. And that feeling of not having support out there from anyone but yourself is I I think is the thing that makes survivors crazy. You know, I think that's why they all burst into tears at the family visit. And I think he'll manage it like it's nothing, honestly. And like Tony, I mean, he didn't do a great job of articulating this in his video, but I think what he meant is that he's very intuitive, like he'll have an innate intuition that will guide him through this game. Um, Because if he grew up in chaos, like he says, he'll be very good at reading his environment and manipulating it to his advantage. Grew up as a screw up. Grew up as a screw up, Rob. Yeah. Um, I think Darnell actually has a really good shot at taking the whole thing. Wow. So, I'm calling him my Mike pick of the season, and I'm saying that because during Worlds Apart, while Mike wasn't my winner pick, I thought he had the potential to JT it to the end, and I'm putting a similar little asterisk next to Darnell. He may surprise us. It's what we do, baby. We do the happy Dance. We do the happy dance. Do
0: yeah. you think Darnell could be happy dancing? He could be happy all dancing.
1: Over. Yeah. All right. So, I, I mean, other than becoming a cranky pants in the weather, my only real worry for Darnell is that is that these city kids can have delicate little bodies. He's a and postal I
0: mean, worker, no matter the rain, uh, nor sleet, nor snow, nor dark of night.
1: I don't know. He's from Chicago. I'm really hoping he's not one of these medevacs you know
0: what <laughs> why from chicago that would make him a medevac
1: because city toughness is completely different from wilderness <laughs> toughness it's like ah a tree bit me no you I live mean, in a city i do that's why i know what i'm talking about <laughs> i would i would last three seconds on survivor before i like passed out and they had to send in the send in the chopper
0: <laughs> all right we have three spots left and just by process of elimination, we have an interesting three people that are left. All right. So who do you have at third place? Who is in the memorial greatest third place finisher spot?
1: That would be our tough old broad. And that is Debbie Wanner.
0: Debbie. But you got Debbie to the final three. Nicole's winner pick.
1: Is final three. Yep. She's doing very. Uh, she's. I like her chances. Okay. So the tough old broad is someone who's 40 so years old. So Nicole older. actually
0: oh. got a lot of flack. her pick of Debbie as the winner on Twitter. A lot of people felt like Nicole jumped the shark, that Nicole has (laughs) lost it, even though she's picked the last two winners. Say, Nicole, look, I was with you at these other ones, but there's no way Debbie is the winner
1: pick. But you're saying the system supports the pick. The system always supports the tough old broad. She is always a tough old broad and mommy dearest are always a good bet for your money. Wow. And there's no there's no mommy dearest this year. So. Tough old broad Debbie is going to be okay. okay tell me she, about
0: why the tough old broad is liked by the system.
1: She's in the air force. Mm-hmm. She's an organic chemist. She's a bomb diffuser and NBD. Like that's just like th- that list of things. is just like, Holy crap. So the the tough old broad is someone who is very athletic, very loyal, sometimes too nice, can be a little bit emotional. I don't think Debbie is going to be one of those. And without fail, she ends up top five. She's always in the majority alliance. So the reason why Debbie is one of these is she's very wiry. She's in awesome shape. Um, I like that she has torture training. That that might be very useful when sharing a beach with Julia. I think, like Saeed. Yeah, <laughs> like Saeed.
0: You're so mean about Julia. Why do you keep picking on her?
1: Because I'm not a fan of sorority girls. I would kill myself if I were. A <laughs> is sorority that what other. it is?
0: So. Are you projecting Maybe. onto Julia people that you don't
1: like? I am. Um, yeah, it's not her. It's not her fault. I was. I was that. I was that like Ali Sheedy girl <laughs> in university that was like all in black who hated everything. Next, so. Yeah. Uh, she says her family is dysfunctional. That was a red flag for me. Yeah, because because that tells me that she may have trouble getting along with people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Also, her bio reads a little elitist. uh Oh, and i th- I think some of the players may not find her to be as down to earth as she may thinks she may think that she is.
0: Not even with the tiger one piece bikini. That screams down to earth to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that screams. I'm going to eat you for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I also wonder in her case I wonder if simply being on the brains tribe is going to blow up her spot a little bit like comparatively how easy will it be for Anna to fly under the radar people will ask Debbie why she's a brain and she'll be forced to say uh, organic chemist whereas they ask Anna why she's a beauty and she can just like blink and eat a banana
2: mm-hmm.
1: I definitely see Debbie going top five um, but not m- maybe not having the social chops or the game strategy to win a final tribal
0: Okay, now in that top three We've seen where older women have gotten shooed up and spit out by that final tribal council jury. Is that when it's a mom as opposed to somebody who's the tough old broad?
1: No, the tough old broad can go either way. Either way. It's 50-50. Sometimes she's the goat. Sometimes she's the winner. So you really have to just when you're when you're building your alliance, when you assess the tough old broad that's in your cast with you, you really need to get a really a very careful read on that woman to find out is she going to win this at the end, or is she going to be the Monica Culpepper?
2: Mm, okay,
1: and it's it's tricky as hell. So it's almost not worth bringing her to your to your final alliance.
0: All right, so we have two spots left. One of them you have as the winner, the other you have as your first runner up. Mm-hmm. So why don't let's talk through your first runner up, and then we will talk about the person who you have or the system has as the winner.
1: Okay. So, the new system had an upset in who is ranked the highest overall. So, for the first time in the Kant's character type history, number two is Aaron Brockovich. Wow. And that is Alicia.
0: Okay. Talk to me about Alicia because I would have to say, out of the 18 people in this season, I feel like that she's one of the people that I have the worst feel for going into this season.
1: I'm not liking Alicia. I'll be honest, I'm not. And I was, I, if there is one person other than Nick that I've potentially put in the wrong character type, it might be her. And I'll, I'll tell you why as, as we go through it. The Aaron Brockovich is someone who's 30 to to 45. So she's already a little bit too young for this, but she, she has a regular type job, very social, very athletic, smart, and competitive. So the fact that she's a real estate agent, um, as opposed to someone who is, pre-law or something like that. I mean, this is, this is really, this is really the only place to put her in. Um, so the, the, the past notable Aaron Brockoviches would be like Tasha, Kim Spradlin, Laura Morette, Sandra, uh, Sally Schumann, Danny Boatwright, uh, Amy Cusap, and, uh, Visepia. So Alicia is our Erin Brockovich because she's got this regular job, but she's tough and attractive. So that's very much like your Kim Spradlin. She may, you know, bridal shop owner sounds very girly girl. Um, but then you you see her and she's a badass when it comes to challenges and things like that. Um, she, too, may be a bit of a hothead. And based on her saying that she'll have trouble controlling her temper, she was very much a contender for it. But I but oh, no, I didn't. In the end, I did not put her in that category. And that might be. That might be a mistake. I really can't tell until a couple of episodes in. If she starts blowing up and putting everyone on blast, mm-hmm. then, she should, then she should in fact be a no, oh, no, you didn't.
0: Yeah, she does say that she could be confrontational. She could have an issue with keeping her mouth shut, right?
1: Yes, and usually that's the person I cast in that role because that's the only indication that I get. But she said she would—I don't know. She seemed, she seemed very level-headed. I like to think that she— she in every other way she was absolutely an Aaron Brockovich so I really I took a gamble by putting her in this one but she might let me down.
0: So do you see her more as a person who is a legitimate threat to win the game or do you see her as somebody who is probably a lock to go to the final 3 but could be the person that gets no votes in the final 3?
1: I think neither. I think that she doesn't she she doesn't actually know the game well enough to do that well. I think her character type has her doing very well in both of both of those areas but in reality I, I don't have a lot of faith in alicia mm-hmm. i hate her bio she sounds dippy you know she wants pizza because she loves pizza and a camera to capture memories and i'm thinking oh they will be captured whether you like them or not national tv show isn't enough for mm-hmm. you i'm a little offended on behalf of cass it's probably the last player i would have expected alicia to compare <laughs> herself to yeah but let's wait and see. Again, preseason, I didn't think Cass would bring much either. And she brought it and its army. So who knows? I don't I, I hate pigeonholing people and, and, and saying they're not gonna do well and, and not leaving any room for, for them to exceed expectations yeah. because you know, anyone can win this game ultimately.
0: Corinne famously said Cass would win Kagiyan, and she would be the most boring contestant in the history of the show.
1: Corinne is wrong again. (laughs) Corinne
0: is wrong again. Alicia on the brawn tribe. What do you think about that? I feel like that that's a weird spot for her to be. And that might be the biggest head scratcher out of all of these breakdowns of the three tribes.
1: Well, this came up a bit in our podcast about tribe divisions. It depends. I think how you define brawn. I like I, I put Sandra in the brawn and that had a lot of people um, tweeting me. And to me it was because she doesn't back down from a fight that she's not afraid to 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 stare someone who's yelling in her face and say that I can get loud too, or I'm against you, Russell. That's what makes Sandra um, a brawn. I'd have her and
0: in the brains or the beauty. I think I would have her <laughs> in either other tribe more so than Braun. I know,
1: I know. And that's where we differ because I think Alicia is probably tough as hell and she's absolutely a brawn, you know, like her her. What is it, her, her boxing producer, whatever. Yeah, but that's her dad. Thing, dad. I know, but that, that's how she was raised. Like we are often molded by our parents, right? So if her dad's like this big tough sales guy, she's going to have a toughness and a sales like quality to her as well. I think. But what I what I didn't like some of the stuff I didn't like. I don't have a lot of faith in players who who believe that because they've gone skydiving that they'll be able to win survive. <laughs> they've never had a skydiving as that's an, a real pet peeve challenge. You. It is. It is. And I, uh, you know what, Nicole brought this up and I got to, I've got to chime in here. She has clearly spent, she has clearly spent a few days in Ponderosa hearing Caleb say at the end of the day, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: because it's imprinted on her, you know, and I don't think she realizes that she said it five times in a single interview. And, um, that lack of awareness, I just can't support that agenda. (laughs) Yeah, so Erin Brockovich has been bumped in the new system from having the highest average place rate of all the character types, and it's only by 0. .02. Um, but she does have the highest win rate of all, with a killer 20% chance of uh, of, of all the times that Erin Brockovich has played on a season, 20% of the time they've won. But I just, I just can't back this horse. I can't.
0: Alright, that leaves one person left. One person. The person that you feel like has the Best chance to win, according to the system. Where do you have Kyle? What character type is he?
1: He can only be the Heisenberg. Heisenberg. Yep. So this is an intense middle-aged man, usually blue-collar job, very aggressive, very high energy, can be strong, not always athletic. He's critical, he's cutthroat, and he is willing to do anything. Okay. So so notable past Heisenbergs, Dan Foley, Tony Vlachos. Troy Zan, Russell Hands, Randy, Shane Powers, Fairplay, Brian Heideck, Lex, and the infamous Richard Hatch. The OG Heisenberg Richard Hatch. Okay. Soak. Kyle is no doubt the season's Heisenberg. He knows what he wants and he doesn't stop until he gets it.
0: So you're feeling good I, about Kyle.
1: I'm feeling very good about him. I'm going to I'm going to bet that you need to be pretty high energy and tenacious to be a bounty hunter. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I found fascinating about Kyle is that he wants to pull the reverse coach. Like coach went out there and he wanted to prove that you can win Survivor with integrity and honesty. But Kyle wants to show the world that you can win Survivor by lying and scheming just as God intended.
0: No, Kyle is cutthroat because he came out there and said the only person that ever played this game correctly is Russell Hance. And then he was talking trash to Russell Hance on Twitter. Like he's got he'll turn on you like that.
1: He's like a scorpion. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. He called Russell Hance a three time loser on Twitter.
1: Whoa! He, be- he better bring it then, if he's going to be pulling that kind of crap.
0: Yeah, so um, there you go, suckered Russell in, and then got him.
1: <laughs> Play to the ego, and then punch with the other hand. Yeah, that's how I. That's how I always do it. <laughs> well, according to the system, the Heisenberg is the best at getting to the end, but not necessarily the best at winning. So, what I liked about Kyle, I like just watching his video i was very taken with his uh with his kind of social ability and his ability to connect with the viewers like he seemed like he struck me as having like a matt damon smile and Whoa. his eyes were and his eyes were like really sparkly um i think people are going to like him and i think they're going to trust him and they will rue the day that they did that mm-hmm. and i'm thinking like tony if he can bring enough likability to his game if he is indeed hilarious and uh, like able to go with like that, let me take a break from defending my country moment while I play survivor face, you know, he could really snow them all. Mm-hmm. I think he does lie for a living and he is able to get it done. So, I mean, it's difficult to tell from his bio just how well he knows the game because he's only referencing one past player, but I am really high on Kyle. He's my, uh, that's my hold up bro move of the podcast that I really, th- I think Kyle's going to win the game.
0: No, it does seem like, uh, he could, he could be up to something. He could do something this season.
1: It's exciting. And he's he's against you, Russell.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's feuding with Russell on Twitter. Okay, so then tell me about any other takeaways that you have for this season based on the system.
1: Well, the surprises for me were which character types were not represented. So the biggest surprise is that there is no surfer dude. Yes. In in 31 seasons of Survivor, there have only been three seasons with no surfer dude. That was Caramoan, Pearl Island, and Borneo. So he is the most consistent male character type. And in fact, I kept second guessing myself for not choosing one, but he's just not there. Like Neil is the closest and nope, that's not, that's not right. I was just really like, there's got to be one. There's got to be one. There's always one. There isn't one. Yeah. So that, that was a little bit surprising for me. Um, There's no Mm know-it-all. I know some fans are assuming that Neil is the know-it-all, but other than CBS putting him in the brains tribe, I, I'm sorry. I just don't, I don't, I don't see enough evidence to show that. Um, and in fact, most successful entrepreneurs are not book smart, like dyslexics, for example, make highly effective business owners. So he is not a typical know-it-all by any means. So, and they do tend to cast know-it-alls very sparingly. So only 14 individual know-it-alls have played in 31 seasons. So, um, and lastly, the secretly smart bikini babe. So this is the most consistently cast female character type and she's not there. So there are, there are many girls who I almost put in there, but I, I zigged last minute because they seem to fit other types in a more fulsome way.
0: In the season that you feel like you have it down and the seasons you feel shaky about, what is your confidence level in the system rankings for this season?
1: I'm pretty confident. Pretty confident. After seeing how it performed with just the returnee season and seeing that I've been the system has managed to, to be consistent around 50, 55% um, since we've launched it, the fact that I'm doing this little tweak, I'm, I'm willing to bet that this is, uh, this is going to be a pretty good season. Okay. Did you want to hear about alliances? Yes. Okay. So who the, who the, the contenders are for, uh, for picking up in your final five. So this is based on, um, the, the character types that have most consistently finished in the top five. I am saying that this is the part where the system is eerily accurate. So the final dominant alliance will likely be a combination of Debbie. Mm-hmm. Kyle, Julia, Darnell, Caleb and Alicia. Okay. There there is something about the game styles of those character types that make them highly likely to be in the top five together. So that's your tough old broad Heisenberg, little red riding hood, John McClain, good old boy, and Aaron Brockovich.
0: So the only person that you have lower than that is Julia. You have her at 11th. Then she would be the only person who you don't have in the systems. Top five.
1: That's right. But she is a very good contender for uh, a final five. So what happened to her?
0: She got idled out of the game. Yeah. Something like that. (laughs) Something like that. So.
1: I also want to mention, let's talk about uh, Gotential and who's got it. Oh, yes. So who are the best goats, according to the system? So again, the tough old Broads are tricky ass. <laughs> so they are either the perfect goat or the perfect winner. And you really need to make a game day decision about them. So um, depending on how much people like Debbie, she could really be a great person like, like Missy or Sherry or Monica Culpepper to bring to the end. But if she's Denise Stapley, cut, cut her loose. Yeah. Let, uh, let the tiger, tiger go.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Is she a sedated tiger or is she ready to go?
1: I think she's ready to go. Yeah. Little Red Riding Hood is also a very good goat. So that would be your Julia. So I believe she's Nat 10 wrapped up in a pretty blonde package. And don't, li- don't look a gift goat in the mouth. You just take it. Mm-hmm. The specialist also has a uh, potential. So yeah. if you think about Matteo and Clay and Coach and Philip, I think Nick will make an outstanding goat. I think the season because it's overloaded with highly intuitive people, I can't see them not seeing right through this guy, and he would be very good to bring to the end. Uh, another possibility is your GI Jane. Sometimes like uh, Wigglesworth, Stephanie, and Danielle were all uh, in the finals and didn't uh, didn't, and were not successful. So Sydney. Sydney could be risky if she's if she's a sweetheart, if she really is funny and and a good social player. So, again, a lot of these things you got to play it as as you go. And finally, John McClain sometimes is a really great goat. If Darnell behaves like a D-bag out there, he could be perfect to bring to the end.
0: All right, Angie, anything else about season 32? Speak now or forever. Hold your peace before we get started. That's it. Well, we will check in at some point during the season. We'll do like a voicemails or something, and we will hear about how the system is doing as we go along here. Of course, you could follow Angie on Twitter. She's at Angie on Twitter. We need a hashtag. Do you have anything in mind?
1: I want to go with River Turtle.
0: River Turtle, not Beast Mode Cowgirl? (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay. All right. River Turtle is where we're going for the hashtag. So... Of course, I'm going to post links to Angie's system, whatever Angie sends me. I'm going to put up on the page and so you can play along with seeing the character types. And we'll link to the Google Doc that Angie has of what every different character is. And again, I know that people get very caught up in the exact science of all this. You would say, I think even yourself, that this is more for fun than, than for scientific purposes, right?
1: Absolutely it's for survivor nerds to have little nerdgasms and that's about it
0: right we know it's a small sample size. we yep. know it's an inexact science but it's just something that maybe gives us a little bit of a peek into what we're headed into this season
1: yeah, it's just a different approach for looking at it which can be fun to look a fun way to look at it
0: was we had a fun hour and 45 minutes let's leave it at that everybody okay Sounds good to me all right. Angie, so uh, great work once again. Of course, if you missed the last podcast I did with Angie last week, you could find that as well on com. And of course, Angie, here we go. There's not much left to do here before we get into Wednesday night, Survivor Know-It-Alls live after the first episode of Survivor Co Wrong.
1: It's right there. I can almost taste it.
0: Yep, we're going to Survivor Know-It-Alls. We are going to hopefully have our exit interview on Thursday morning. I'm going to be doing the first recap of the season with Jeff Varner, one of your Seduce and Destroy winner picks.
1: Varner! I'm so excited about Varner.
0: We're going to be doing our first voicemails of the season with our great friend, the purple pants badass Bryce Isaiah, (laughs) to talk about brains versus beauty versus bronze return.
1: Oh, that's going to be really funny.
0: We're going to do the debut of The Wiggle Room with Josh Wiggler. That's going to be a weekly show. We're gonna do with Josh talking about the story of the season.
1: I'm really glad you're doing that. I love Wiggler,
0: and we're gonna get David Bloomberg back to talk about why each player lost every week.
1: Woohoo! That is so much content.
0: And then um, we got everything going on with the Amazing Race as well, with social media players. So that that is crazy. A lot going on here it's on RHAP. Happening. It's all ra- happening right now. <laughs> Subscribe to the podcast. Go to robiswebsite.com/slash iTunes or search for Rob as a podcast in your favorite podcatcher. Angie. Great work as usual. We will talk to you again soon. Have a good one, everybody. Take care. Bye.